If you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Who, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? As we've been studying here in John 1, we've been seeing the answer to that question. And everything that we see here points to the deity, the deity of Jesus, that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. Here are the titles that we've seen for Jesus so far that make Him known, that help us understand who Jesus is. First, we saw that Jesus is the Word. Jesus reveals the heart and mind of God as the Word. Jesus is the light. Light reveals truth. Light shines in the darkness. Light means life. Jesus is also the Son of God. God the Son. And Son of God reveals God the Father. Jesus is the Christ which means He is the Messiah, the Promised One, the Anointed One. And then over the last two Sundays, we've seen that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. He's the once-for-all sacrifice for sin for all who believe in Him, the Lamb of God. Today we come to the last two names we'll see here in chapter 1, which we, uh, we'll see here that they help us also help us see who Jesus is. Uh, Follow along in your Bible as I read, beginning at verse 43. John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered uh, answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So maybe you notice them. Here are the sixth and seventh titles for Jesus seen in chapter 1, number 6. The sixth title is seen in verse 49. Did you hear it when I read it? King, King of Israel. So King of Israel is number six. Number seven, the seventh title is seen in verse 51. Son of Man. 
Son of Man. And that's an interesting one. Last Sunday, we saw people being sent, people being brought to follow Jesus. Beginning in verse 43, we see Jesus is taking the initiative. It says there that the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And whom does Jesus find? He finds Philip. And what we know about Philip points to him being an ordinary individual. (laughs) There's really nothing special about Philip. He's an ordinary man. And we can see from the text that Philip wasn't looking for Jesus. Note that. He wasn't looking for Jesus. But Jesus was looking for Philip. And that ought to encourage you. It encourages me. Here's why. Because it tells us that Jesus seeks out ordinary people like Philip. Like me. Like you. Ordinary, everyday people. The Bible is full of examples of ordinary people whom God chose to use to do His work and bring Him glory. More and more you realize that God's God's not working like we would work. We would go find the most important people in our community and in our country and in the world and elevate them. But that's not how God works. And you ought to praise God for that. God works in a different way. And the Bible is full of examples of this. Did you know that if you're a believer in Jesus, that God chose you before you could even think of him? You ought to rejoice over that. Ephesians 1.4 says, Even as he chose us, speaking of believers in Jesus Christ, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, before you could even think of Jesus, Jesus was thinking of you and chose you if you're a believer in Jesus. You might say, how do I know if I'm chosen? The answer is, do you believe in Jesus? <laughs> Have you believed in the, in the Son of Man? The King of Israel? Have you believed? If you have, you know God chose you from before the foundation of the world. You might ask a follow-up question. Well, how do I know who's chosen so that I can go witness to them? And the answer to that is you don't. (laughs) So witness to everyone. And let God draw unbelievers to himself through your witness and through the witness of others. God seeks out and chooses ordinary people to believe in Him and to follow Him. If you have a little bit of trouble with God choosing people, just go back and read the Old Testament. Because it's really clear that God chooses some and He doesn't choose others again and again and again and again. That's God's prerogative. Who are we to ask, why is it you choose some to be saved? God seeks out and chooses ordinary people. We ought to be be overwhelmed by that and humbled by that. 
Jesus said to Philip two words. Follow me. Jesus isn't simply saying, come this way. Let's let's walk together. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, be my disciple. That's what the meaning of the original language actually points to. That's not uncommon in the New Testament. When you see in your Bible Jesus saying, follow me, he's saying, follow me for the purpose of being my disciple. Let me teach you. You follow me. How can Jesus say this? Some might ask that. How can, who's Jesus to say that? Who is he that people should follow him with their lives and be his disciple? I prayed it this morning. Did you hear when I asked God to help us follow him and obey him and become the people he wants us to be? Is that your prayer? Have you come to the point where you realize that Jesus can say, follow me, be my disciple? In the midst of our passage, we're going to see that sixth and seventh titles for Jesus But also, in the course of the passage, we're shown three important truths about why Jesus could say, follow me. And I want you to look for these. Jesus says, follow me. Come be my disciple. Here's the first reason Jesus is is able to say this. If people say, who's Jesus? Well, we can tell them And you need to tell yourself and preach this truth to yourself when you're tempted to do your own thing instead of following Jesus. Jesus is the one with the authority. Jesus is the one with authority. Who is Jesus to say, you come follow me and be my disciple? Who is he to say, follow me? Jesus is the God-man He's not an ordinary man. He's God in human flesh. That makes Jesus the one with authority. It's not arrogant for Jesus to say, follow me, because he has the authority to say it. All we have to do is go back to verses 1 through 3 here in chapter 1. Go back and look at verse 1. If there's any doubt, there's no doubt after you're done reading these verses. John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, He was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Is there any doubt about whether or not Jesus has authority? Not in my mind. Not in the mind of of God in the scriptures when he makes it clear to us in these verses and, and many other places in God's word. If you're going to see Jesus for who he is and believe in him and trust in him with your life, 
you need to know that Jesus is the one with the authority to say, follow me. You follow me. Look at what happens next. Look at verses 44 and 45. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And this is sweet. After Jesus found Philip, this is special. After Jesus found Philip and he followed Jesus, then he proceeds to tell someone he cares about. He tells Nathaniel of who they've found. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets speak and wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, he tells him. That's another way of saying we've found the Messiah. The long-awaited one, which is what Andrew had said to Jesus when he brought Simon to him. We found the Messiah. Notice also in verse 44 that Philip is pointing back to Old Testament prophecies. And in this, we see again that John is pointing us to who Jesus is. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. He's God's anointed one. He is God, come to man. And this is John's purpose, as he says in chapter 20 and verse 31, I've pointed to it often, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. But I want you to note in verse 46 that Nathanael is surprised that Philip is calling this man the Messiah. By what he says, you can see his surprise. Verse 46, Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And I think Nathanael's response was likely due in part to the fact that Nazareth was a a town of of little renown. It was just a little-known town. It was not a place of significance. As far as Nathanael was concerned, it was nothing special. And add to this that Nathanael was from Cana, and he may have been showing a little bit of rivalry that probably existed between these two towns. That happens, doesn't it? I'm from Chardon. I'm from Middlefield. Or I'm from Painesville. Or I'm from Mentor or wherever, right? (laughs) There might have been a little bit of that going on. I think it's interesting here. Philip didn't argue with Nathaniel. But look at what he says. And here's, if you want to have a wonderful answer for a skeptic whom you're trying to witness to about the Lord Jesus Christ, here it is. Philip said to him three words. Come and see. Witnessing can be pretty easy if you'll break the ice and tell somebody about Jesus. You don't necessarily have to have all the answers. You don't. You need to be able to say, come and see. You don't believe me? Come and see. Philip essentially says, if you can't believe me, just come and see for yourself. 
This is probably the best response to someone who who can't believe or says they won't believe or doesn't want to believe or maybe they have questions that you don't know how to answer. That's okay. Tell them, come and see. You don't have to have all the answers for people like this. Let me give you a couple of suggestions about what you could do. You can invite someone to sit down with you once a week over a piece of pie and a cup of coffee or a glass of milk, whichever, and open the Gospel of John and just read through it with them over the period of a few months. Just read a chapter a week and talk about what you see. And let them come and see who Jesus is as the Gospel of John, as John the Apostle tells them who Jesus is. Come and see. Here's another idea. Bring them to church. Say, come with me. Come come and see. And hear the Gospel proclaimed and taught and preached and see people who believe in who Jesus is. People need to see at times. People need to see and believe. But for them to believe is incredible and it's life-changing. When they believe who Jesus is, when they believe that He has the authority to say, follow me and believe in Him, they're saved. They're changed eternally. Now I want you to note next that Jesus could say, follow me, because, here's number two, because Jesus is the one who knows you. He knows you like no one else knows you. Look at how Jesus addresses Nathanael. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. So here's another pointer to the deity of Jesus. Because when Jesus looks at you, he sees more than anyone else can see. Jesus sees who you are. We see each other and we look on the surface, don't we? It's hard to see the heart. That's why it's good for us to spend time together. Like we did last night and in many other ways, we spend time serving together. We begin to see the heart. But it's hard to see that when we're just looking on the surface. But Jesus has no trouble with this. Jesus is the one who knows you. Jesus makes this knowing, omniscient look at Nathanael. And he makes this knowing, omniscient statement that Nathanael is a man without deceit, a man who is free of cunning, craftiness. Who else could look at an individual he'd never met and say such a thing? It'd be like saying, you're a good man. You're a good man. Because you know that person's life, even though you've never met them. We don't know that, do we? When we've never met someone, it's hard for us to look at someone and say that. But Jesus could. Jesus isn't only the one with authority. He's also the one who knows you. He knows who you are. He knows what you are. He knows what you're up to. He knows what you struggle with. He knows your burdens. He knows your temptations. 
He knows you. And Jesus didn't call Nathaniel to be his disciple because he knew he was an upright man. You need to know this too. He wasn't saying that Nathaniel was perfect and sinless. It would be like us looking at someone we know to be an unbeliever and saying, they're good. They're a good person. They, are, they're, they care about people. And yet, and yet Nathaniel was still a sinner. The Bible makes it clear that God chooses a people to be His own and they come to Christ on no merit of their own. He's not looking at Nathaniel and saying, hey, you're a good person, you come and follow me. He's just pointing out that he knows who he is. He's an upright individual. And yet, we know that because he's a man, he's still a sinner in need of a Savior. The Bible makes that clear that God does not choose anyone based on how good they are or were or will be. Uh, you heard that when I quoted Ephesians 1.4 earlier. We hear it also in John 15 and verse 16, when Jesus says to his followers, you did not choose me, but I chose you. He says to his followers, you didn't choose me. You didn't come looking for me to follow me. I chose you and then you followed me. Romans 3, 23 and 24, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are here's the good news, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Not through you, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's a gift. Jesus just made it clear. I know who you are, is what He was saying. I know who you are. I know what you are. Yes, Jesus' statement about Nathaniel's fairly remarkable because it's a rare thing that a person be found without deceit. But he's not suggesting that this man is a perfect man. He is not sinless. He is still a sinner. Nathaniel is usually upright is the point, but he still needs to believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. And you might think of people that you know that are good people, but you need to remember they still need Jesus. Now look at the exchange in verse 48. Nathanael said to him, he's a little surprised, how do you know me? How do you know me? Nathanael is surprised that Jesus could know him. They had never met. How could this man know who he is? Jesus could know him because he's not a mere man. Jesus is the God-man. Look at it here in verse 48. The rest of verse 48 says, Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. This was before security cameras. (laughs) Okay, just in case you were wondering. Long, long before that. This is the eye of God seeing Nathanael. When is this that Jesus points to when Nathanael was under the fig tree? Some believe that this is a reference to a place. Maybe it was a place where Nathanael would go and study the Old Testament Scripture. But the point is that Jesus supernaturally saw him. He not only knows where you are, He knows what you are, He knows your heart. 
He knows the hidden things in your life that no one else sees. In verse 49, it's obvious that this became clear to Nathanael because of the way he responds to Jesus. Look at verse 49, Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. The light of faith just turned on for Nathaniel. That's a gift from God. This is the second time in chapter 1 we've seen the use of the name Son of God. We saw it back in verse 34. Here, Nathaniel recognizes who Jesus is because of what Jesus knew about him. Remember, the title Son of God points to the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. The Messiah had been predicted and prophesied in the Old Testament. So it's obvious Nathaniel knew this. And then he connects the dots and realizes this is him. Then Nathaniel adds, you are the king of Israel. And there's the sixth title for Jesus we see here in chapter 1. This was a title similar to Messiah, the Anointed One. This name for Jesus points back also to the Old Testament prophecies of the coming Messiah. So Nathaniel's convinced and confidently verbalizes his understanding that Jesus has to be the Son of God. This is the long-awaited Messiah. He's also verbalizing his recognition of Jesus' authority over his life and his submission to Christ when he says, you are the king of Israel. This is what happens when you understand that Jesus knows you and you believe in him. What happens? The natural response of one who wholeheartedly believes in Jesus and is saved is to submit to him as your king. To submit to him as the one with authority over your life. To give your life to him and to submit to him as your king. And you just have to tell someone of your belief in him. That's the truth of Romans 10.10. Romans 10.10 points to it when, when it says that with the heart one believes and is justified. You're saved when you believe in your heart. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You just can't keep it quiet. If you've believed in Jesus Christ and He saved you, you tell someone. Romans 10.10 is saying that if you have a deep, heartfelt belief in Jesus, then you will naturally express that belief with your mouth. And that verbal expression of your faith in Jesus is an affirmation to you that you are saved. It ought to encourage you more than anybody else when you go around telling other people that you, about your Savior. And yes, it's, God intends to use that to draw people to Himself, to inform them of the truth of the Gospel. But you ought to be encouraged yourself when you can't keep from telling people about your Savior. You'll do that when you realize that Jesus has authority over your life. And you must submit to him as your king.
You'll do it joyfully. And you'll know His joy in return. You need to see Jesus as your King. And yes, Jesus came in lowly circumstances and He was cruelly crucified for sinners, but that in no way minimizes His divine kingship. Is Jesus your King today? Have you looked at Christ, believed in Him? Has He saved you? Have you realized you're forgiven your sins and you, you now you say, I, I must submit my life to Him. As imperfect as you are, <laughs> And as imperfect as you still are, it's a daily thing that we need to remember. Oh, I need to submit my life to my king. He has the authority. He knows who I am. He knows what I need. When you see Jesus for who he truly is, you will recognize him as your king and you will joyfully submit to his authority in your life. You know how you do that? You turn to the word, the Bible. You turn to the Bible and you turn to the church and you and you go and be with God's people and you hear the word of God proclaimed and you read it for yourself and you grow in Christ and you daily. It's just a daily ongoing faith challenge to keep submitting to your king. Now look at Jesus answered in Nathaniel verse 50. Jesus answered him. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe you will see greater things than these? Jesus is essentially saying to Nathaniel, you may have been moved to belief by what I told you about yourself, but you're just getting started compared to what you will witness as you follow me. What will Nathaniel see? And what do all believers in Jesus come to see and believe? You come to see that Jesus can say with authority, follow me. Because, and here's number three, Jesus is the one who reveals the love of God to man. Jesus is the one who reveals the love of God to man. Here's an example of what Nathaniel will witness. Verse 51. And you might think this is challenging, but just follow here. Verse 51, And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Truly, truly, Jesus says. It's like saying, listen up. Listen closely. It's what parents say to their children. At least it's what I said to my children. And then I learned also to say something else. I would say, listen closely. Here's what I want you to do. I would give them instructions. And then I learned this after, after we had our first few children to say, what did I just say to you? <laughs> because they would come back later and say, you didn't tell me that. It's like, oh, yes, I did. I told you. So I started saying, here's what I want you to do. Now you tell me what I just said. That way later, they could not come back and say, you never told me to do that. Jesus is saying, listen up. Truly, truly, pay attention. I say to you, you'll see the things of heaven revealed to you. This is what Jesus is saying to him. Not that, not, this is figurative. It's not that he's literally going to see angels ascending and descending on Jesus. He's, gonna, he's saying, you're going to see the things, the eternal things, heavenly things, the realities of eternity 
open to you. You will see them and understand them. You'll see the realities of heaven made clear to you. And Jesus points to himself as being the one who will make things clear to him. Jesus is the one who reveals the love of God to man. This is a figurative statement when Jesus says you'll see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And here's the seventh title for Jesus here in chapter 1, Son of Man. In fact, it's one Jesus uses about himself many, many, many times in the New Testament, calling himself the Son of Man. Jesus, Son of Man. The idea here is that Jesus is the revealer of God to man. As man, as as God, as the God-man, God in human flesh, he's the revealer of God to man, Son of Man. Jesus is the one who reveals the love of God to man. You don't even need to tell you don't need me to tell you how he did that, do you? How did Jesus ultimately reveal the love of God to man? He did so on the cross. He did so on the cross, but he also did so by coming to earth to be himself among people. Jesus is the one who communicates heaven to earth. Jesus is like the stairway upon which the communication of God's love for mankind is sent from heaven to earth, from God to man. And this is the truth that we hear echoed throughout the Bible. And it's why we we ought to rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's why we gather each Lord's Day on Sunday to thank the Lord for the Lord Jesus Christ, to worship the risen Savior. And we hear this truth echoed throughout the Scriptures, but maybe the most well-known passage in all the Bible, John 3.16 and verse 17, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. And all who believe in Jesus are saved by Him eternally. Who is Jesus to say, follow me? Jesus is the Son of God the one with authority. He's the king. Jesus is the one who knows you. And you might cringe at that idea at first, but you ought to thank God for that too because he knows what you need. And Jesus is the one who is the son of man. He's the one who reveals the love of God to you and to all mankind who will listen. The question for you is, if you haven't believed in him, will you? Will you believe in him? If you're saying today, I'm not sure, I just want to wait. Well, first of all, I encourage you, don't wait. Believe in him. But if you're going to wait, let me say, come and see. Come and see who Jesus is. Keep looking. 
Keep looking. Jesus is the Son of God, the one with authority. He's the King. Jesus is the one who knows you. He's the one who deserves your your worship and your devotion. Will you believe in Him? And if you do believe in Him, if you're sitting here going, well, I am a believer, (laughs) I say, praise God. I have a different question. Are you yielding your whole life to Him? Will you yield your whole life to Him? Why would you do that? Because He has the authority to say, follow me. And you would do well to devote your life to following Him. Have you yielded your life to be lived for Christ, every area of your life. It doesn't mean that you can't have hobbies. It doesn't mean that you can't have friends. It doesn't mean that you can't have fun. We do that kind of naturally, don't don't we? There's nothing better than yielding your life to the King, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of of man who makes God known.